Uh, we've put a few weeks aside, and uh, last week we had Dave Niebling, for those of you that were here, and Dave spoke about uh, generosity, and he spoke about giving, and we sort of, everybody gives their own flavour and their own angle to it. Next week I'm kind of going to just spend some time in the morning, I'm just going to wrap it all up, uh, and then we've got a few, uh, some other things that we're going to uh, move on to after that. But it's exciting and right and appropriate to be in church and to hear talk about money, generosity and finance. I know, if you're anything like me, it's been a real journey to get to a place where I feel comfortable with it. Um, but that's my own issues. If I'm honest with it, it's my own issues. It's, I blame the television evangelists who every time I flick on the channel want my... If you give me $10,000, we'll put your name on this brick. If you give me a million, we're going to build a centre in your name. Put neon lights and everybody will know it's the Alan Kirchin Centre of Excellence because you gave us a million dollars. And all this sort of stuff turns you off. And, and when I hear more talk about, about money than I do about the cross, I think we're a little out of balance. But I think those of you that call rock time, you would know that we're, we're not out of balance. Um, so again, I just, just want to encourage you to keep your heart open. Um, if, if something is said that you don't quite understand, let me ask you, why don't you come up and grab these guys at the end of the service, sit down with them, have a chat with them, maybe they can clarify some stuff to you. Uh, if there's anything in the life of church that I feel like can cause offence and walls to rise, uh, finances has definitely got to be in the top three issues that churches talk about that give the devil an opportunity to plant a seed in your head and build, excuse me, wow, a defensive wall in your heart. <laughs> See that? This is live. This just happens live. That was an organic burp. Nothing predetermined about that. It just happened. All right? Um, so with that in mind, let's uh, put our hands together and let's welcome up Ruth, our amazing assistant pastor, Ruth. Morning, everyone. Um, yeah, so I haven't really thought about this, so I haven't freaked out, but now I'm freaking out. So <laughs> here I am. <laughs> So, as you know, the last two weeks, we've, or two or three weeks, we've talked about tithe, and I guess what I want to do today is just carry that on from my personal experience. So, I just want to give you a bit of my backstory first. So, as most of you know, I grew up, I grew up in a Christian home, and I'm the third of the four, third or fourth generation Christians, um, which is such a blessing. I have four siblings, and growing up I had a good community of support around me, which helped me a lot. I can sometimes diminish the value of my testimony because I think people only want to hear about the biker with a face tattoo who found God. (laughs) But I distinctly felt God saying to me recently, your testimony is significant. God was so gracious and helped me to stay close to him, especially during those troublesome teenage years. God brought a young boy across my path at the very old, ripe age of 15, and instantly I was in love. (laughs) (laughs) Digging deeper, I realised it was a flirt to convert situation. At the time, Daniel didn't know God, so I felt like God had given me the, the responsibility of creating the right environment for what he wanted to do in Daniel's life which helped me to stay on track and to keep a level head. I did my best to show God, to show him God as much as I could through me and my family. 
So I was also the youngest of five, so I had the front row seat to my older siblings and and their tomfoolery and the consequences of that. I just want to give God the glory because he gave me wisdom at a young age and I saw it wasn't worth the cost. And I'm kind of lucky because I was a very lazy teenager. (laughs) Obviously I'm not saying I'm perfect because as Dave spoke about last week, I felt I'd spend my 20s in a really stale, rebellious holding pattern. But I felt God had protected me even through that. Anyway, enough about me and more about tithing and giving. During t- during, due to our household consisting of seven people and my dad losing his job as a storeman when I was about ten, money became very tight. Obviously, times were tough, but that didn't stop my parents giving in any way they could. We had a constant rotating d- door of kids that would ha- hang it out hang out at our house. A lot of them, which I run into recently, commenting how, for them, our house was a safe place. Some of them, because some of them had a bit of a rough, rough upbringing. Growing up, my parents would talk about tithing and giving and how important it was. For them, tithing wasn't an option. I remember my mum and dad giving us a 20 cent each to put in the tithe basket. It wasn't about how much it was, it was about teaching us to freely give and being excited about excited about it the most important thing I think they wanted us to know was when we seek God put him first he'll always be faithful so I just want to read from Matthew six thirty three. it says but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well God always put people in my parents' life that could offer the most amazing help. I remember we were going to lose our house, but God intervened and provided someone to help them out of it. These same people brought them a car and provided my dad with a job. These people weren't even Christian, but we all know God uses anyone, and I believe God blessed these people because of their generosity to his children. There is so many stories of how God was faithful to my parents. Recently, my, my dad told me a story about how he had been asked to give a large sum of money to someone for, by God. Obviously, in the natural, in his current state, that seemed insane as he had five children to feed. But he said he didn't tell anyone, and he did it. But somehow, in the next few days, he received the exact same money he spent he'd given to someone through other people. Um, I can't tell you why growing up it was my, for my parents it was a, a struggle to walk um, how it was my parents walked to struggle financially but I guess seeing how God would constantly perform miracles so we wouldn't go without and me standing here give it, um, telling you guys about his faithfulness to my parents because of their giving may be the reason um, probably two things that stand out to me through that is sometimes we go through tough times so God can show his mightiness and the second is we we must never underestimate the power of instilling God's truth into your children because God will be faithful to your future generations it's not about tooting my parents horn all they did was provide the right environment for this to happen but ultimately it's about giving God the glory everything we should Everything we do should glorify our Father, not because we have to, but because we love him and he died and rose again for us. I guess this now leads us to now and how important it is for Daniel and I 
and our little family unit to remain faithful in this area of tithing and giving. God has been so faithful time and time again in our world. When we were about 20, um, God gave Daniel the opportunity to buy a little house out in Casino. It resembled a haunted house (laughs) at the start. It wasn't that bad, but... (laughs) but But um, we saw its potential just like God sees in all of us. Um, Daniel had only been working a year at this point and when he started his boss had told him he was retiring the following year. So at the time his decision to buy a little piece of paradise seemed a bit, a little insane but we decided to trust God that he would provide for us. So much so, whether his boss wanted to or not, he worked for another 10 years. <laughs> Actually, I think he's still working. He's like a Terminator. He never stops. I think God really blessed Daniel because his faithfulness to him through the hard times. So many times during the early years, because of the lack of daylight he was seeing, he wanted to quit. But I remember one time early on, he was all set to quit, but we prayed. Praying is so vital. And ask God to speak to us. We had visiting ministry on the Sunday and I think we talked about it on the Friday. We, he was really wanting to quit. Um, and Daniel went up for prayer and this visiting ministry, obviously the guy didn't know Daniel, but this guy prayed for him and he said he sees him working with his hands and he needs to be patient. God is so faithful to his children and through God he has instilled a resilience into Daniel that's hard to shake once he knows God is in it. He doesn't give up. God wants us to be patient and trust him. Another time Daniel finished his apprenticeship, he continued to work with his boss but he wasn't paying him properly. So again, the quitting was was there. So... Um, so he decided he wanted to leave and work with another layer. Um, they would go 50-50. The only problem with this, with this guy, we call him Mickey Red Eyes. He has a reputation of lo- being a loose cannon. So again, we prayed and, and what God did on the Monday was Daniel's boss offered him to be partners. So they would go 50-50 and Daniel still works for this same company today. God is faithful. He knows best. We just need to be patient. If we are faithful with what God gives us, he will always provide. In our decisions, I think we need to make prayer so vital. Sometimes as Christians, we underestimate the value of prayer. I know time and time again, we have put our, when we have put our request to God, he provides. Sometimes it may not be the way we want it or our timing, but in, he is our Father and he knows best. A big thing growing up, my dad was a prayer. To this day, my dad still gets up in the wee hours every day to go to the church and pray. You wonder how I know this? Well, it's a scary story. <laughs> but I used to get up at five o'clock to go and to go to work, and he used to get up to go to pray. But we would, he would decide to get changed in the lounge room to not wake my mum, and so I would always see things, and I, and I regret to this day. <laughs> I, I know our family still so, feels so protected because of his dedication to praying constantly for our family and for our, his future generations and his, his grandchildren. God hears our hearts and he is so faithful. God hears our prayers and he is so faithful. We need to be creating the right environment for God to make, for God to make things happen. We need to be praying and seeking him in all areas.
as I said before, it's not about tooting anyone's horn but giving God the glory and making sure people hear the stories of what God has done and will continue to do. I just want to touch on three areas that go hand in hand with tithing. Being faithful with what God has given us, trusting him, having a pure heart in the process. Being faithful with what God gives us is so important. Like anything in life, if we can't be faithful with the little God has given us, how can, we be, how can he give us more? Um, Luke 16, 10 to 12 says, Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling wealthy, a worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? God wants to entrust true riches, which is winning the souls of Christ, but he needs to be able to trust us with earthly things like wealth and stuff like that. So at the conference recently, we went to... A guy spoke about where are we putting our money. I know constantly I'm challenged on who we're throwing our money at. At some, As some of you know, we're a few of us are a bit of a KFC junkies, so we have to be careful, the leadership team. <laughs> I feel... I personally feel sometimes if we aren't putting our money into the right place, it can feel like it's slipping through our fingers. We need to be diligent with what God has given us and we need to remember we only have it because he gave it to us. It may seem crazy to the world that as Christians we pay tithe, but God asks us to do this and it's the only thing he says he, he he can test us on. We can test him on, yeah. Um, so Malachi 3 verse 10 says, Bring the whole tithe in the storehouse there may be food in, so that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and, I, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will be not, there'll not room for enough to store it. Wow, that's so good. What a mighty God we serve. We need to believe what he says. Our God is mighty and he is powerful. Our my prayer is constantly, Lord, help me to believe so I can see the mighty things you have for us individually and corporately as a church. We need to trust him no matter what our situation. If we are tithing, he will provide. Sometimes God will ask more of us than just tithe, and sometimes it won't make sense. But he wants to see if we will be obedient with what he asks. Just recently, it makes me laugh, but my mum and dad are at it again. A young couple from China has just come over recently and landed at my parents' church. First time at church. They're not Christian. And um, they're looking for a place to stay. And before my mum could stop herself, she's offering these people a room at their house. This is my parents' MO. But recently, they got burnt by someone who stayed with them. So I think mum told God that was the last time. But I guess God has other plans and he doesn't want us to stop giving even sometimes when it's hard or it doesn't make sense. He wants us to follow in the example of, of freely giving. Every time he, get, he, every time he gave, it was for the kingdom, to enhance the kingdom. He is our perfect example of giving. Every miracle he performed was about giving. It was always about to enhance the kingdom and to give glory to God. He said the ultimate. He paid the ultimate sacrifice, and he gave his life freely at no cost to for, to us. 
God didn't provide for us so we could keep it to ourselves. He gave it to us to enhance the kingdom and for his glory. I know recently God has been asking me, I know you trust me, but do you really trust me in all areas, especially finances? I was having a discussion with him about money recently and why we're having to wait so long to be paid by a store we work for. I think the words I said, it's our money and I I just want it. (laughs) I know I sound like a spoiled brat, but I felt God say in that moment, it was his money and he, we have only because he allows us to have it. Um, I felt even though, yes, technically it was our money, there was a spiritual battle going on in, for my heart and God needed me to engage in the battle in prayer with him for it to be released and for my heart to be right. I know that, happened, that situation happened in my life so he could teach me a lesson or two that I won't forget. <laughs> um, Which leads me to my last point about having a pure heart whilst tithing or giving. My heart was hard and the money became my focus. God should be our focus and our source. I know God cares more about what your heart is doing than about the actions you take. God doesn't need or want our money if our heart is hard, if it's hard. It's up to us if we want to give and honour whatever God says and be blessed. So in summary, God loves us so much. He wants to bless us to overflowing, but he wants our focus to remain on him and truly believe he is our source. He has asked us to test us in this area of finance, so we need to trust him that he will provide. We need to be faithful and obedient with what he gives us because ultimately it's his and he wants us to to use it for his glory. He wants to bless his children who freely give and are so excited about doing it. God loves us so much and he's the best example of what it means to truly give. That's all. Excellent, fantastic. That's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. We're going to get Owen to come on up now. You want to get your seat or anything? Want a seat or anything? No, no. I'm just picking on you. Very good. Yeah, I was, uh, David was great last week and he said um, there's a couple of things that we're not good with uh, as Christians and one of the things was celebration and telling the story. So this is my story. It's not about you. I'm not lecturing you. I'm not telling you anything. It's simply my wife and my story. And I believe um, all that we have, even the shoes on my feet, uh, God's gold in my hands. So the issue isn't about how much do I give to him, it's how much of he, what he has given to me do we give back to him. And so we're all different. My circumstance is not your circumstance. And this is my story, or our story. So when I talk about me, it, you know, it's, it's the two of us. Um, you, can, you may be able to capture something from this and how maybe you can make some changes in your life. I uh, need to say to you too, there's, I don't really want to be up here. There's two reasons for that, Alan Kirchin. The moment you know that you're going to get up front or you're going to do something, you know God's going to shake your world in relation to that issue. And I know when my wife and Jackie are going to start doing the breaking free 
cause a sort of buckle down, Buster, because there's going to be some shaking here. And sure enough, although my wife's done this course many times, God's always going to say, I'm going to just shake, shake you a little bit. And it's sort of, at my age, I like things comfortable. I, just, I don't like this shaking stuff, but I just want to say thanks very much. So the moment you uh, said to me, do this, the boss, people I sold my business to said, oh, we've amalgamated with all of New South Wales and now we're under a different organisation and now they're going to change their arrangement with with uh, me, my financial arrangement. And uh, at first I was an unhappy camper, but I did go back to God and say, listen, what's this all about? And, you know, well, I was having quite a nice time here under this arrangement. And he says, yes, it was very favourable to you. And it was very favourable to me. I said, one of the deals were... And I want a car park down there under the building all the time. And they said, yeah, you can have that. And I want newspapers on my desk every morning when I walk, yeah, you can have that. So the deal I struck with them was uh, quite faithful to me. So unfortunately, Alan, this arrangement has changed. But I did say to my wife, I think um, I've been saying for some time, I want to um, declutter my life. And so there's some things that I've been doing over the years just to declutter my life. So the second thing is, uh, that's my first complaint. Up front, straight up, you know, I'm not going to talk behind your back, you know, that's it, I've done it. And don't worry, pastors, you know, you, you four sort of come under that same umbrella, so don't be too cheeky there. And, uh, but it's personal to, the second thing is it's personal to my wife and I. Some of the things I'm about to say, not even our kids know, so, but it's no secret, and I'll just read this. God's Word says, when you do good deeds, I don't know whether they're good deeds or not, but anyway, when you do good deeds, try not to show off. If you do, you won't get a reward from heaven. And when you give to the poor, don't let anyone know about it. So if, if you hear me, please don't think I'm boasting. If I want to boast, I want to boast about Jesus and what he's done for us. Um, so, you know, I'm just going to say some things that have happened. Uh, I'm not going to tell you a fib, that's true. Um, but it, I don't want anyone thinking that somehow or other we've done it on our own. It's been God's been gracious to us. Um, and our giving comes from our day-to-day walk with God. We ask God daily what we're doing. We're not expecting God to give us a pat on the back or saying you're awesome. We're not expecting to give God a dollar and saying, oh, here's $10 back here. We're not looking to, to get. We're just doing it out of um, what God's laid on our heart. And uh, I do really wonder sometimes how generous we would be if um, if we weren't Christians. Um, and when I talk about giving, I don't count the kids in, our kids in as giving. Everyone gives to their kids, and that's not part of giving, I don't think, anyway. And so this is our story. My story. My dad died when I was 13 and Judy's dad didn't really have a big company or anything like that. In other words, when we were 18, we didn't get gold-plated cars or um, right yachts or anything like that. And uh, the big thing was to, when we were 18, and by the way, next um, month, we've been going together 50 years. So we're both Christians when we met 50 years ago. And actually, that would have been about the time I became a Christian. It was just about a month before I became a Christian, and then we met. And so uh, we were married, uh, and uh, we were, had a very basic life. I had a very basic pay. 
we're on a strict pay uh, budget. Uh, I was an assistant, unqualified, and so we had um, little money. I would say we gave regularly, but um, I never really tithed in in terms of what I understand now as a tithing as a ten percent. So I would suggest that maybe our giving was ad hoc. In saying that, however, so regularly we we put into the work of the church. But in saying that, we were involved in, my wife went to scripture at Ganelabar here, uh, you know, taking our little door at the time to scripture here at Ganelabar Primary School. She'd go down to Lismore Heights Primary and do that. And I was involved in Boys Brigade and Sunday school and youth work and so on. And so we never really asked the church for money. We just, I don't know, I never thought about it. I just, we just did it. Uh, and so obviously that ex- involves some expense. So we, I never thought about it. Uh, and even in terms of our time, so you can hear when I say we, my wife did scripture, boys brigade, Sunday school, youth work. So we tithed of our time. Even here today, the other day we were up cleaning, I'm thinking 68 years of age, I'm still vacuuming churches. What do I think I'm doing? Uh, so that's sort of what we started with. When, um, when I was in my mid 30s, um, Money was tight as it always seems to be, and so I started my lawns to get a bit of extra money in the um, in the cemetery. So when you finish mowing at one end of the cemetery, it's grown back the other way. It's like the Sydney Harbour Bridge. Once it's finished, they painted that much, you go back and start again. So it's, so it was a good job just sitting up there and talking to God and looking at all the headstones and bush ranges and all sorts of things. But um, my wife found a job and. Um, God laid us on our heart. There's a lady whose husband was uh, hopeless with money and liked motorbikes and cars and this and that, and he just always seemed to come home with new stuff. And we, um, we out of our own heart, just put money in um, in the envelope just to help her because we know she was struggling. Um, I don't know. We just didn't think much about it, but uh, and we didn't really go into prayer about it. I just said to my wife one day, you know, we could just help her out a little bit. I read a book once on tithing and it talked about the think pink cement trucks and the Colgate Palmolive and, and how those businesses flourished. They were tithing companies. And I was interested, but of course, I'm always a questioner person and I'm thinking, oh, yeah, how come you've just picked on the, the ones that have done well? And um, what about the ones that have been tithing well and, you know, didn't really finish all that well? And... Um, as I'm preparing this, I was reminded of a couple down at Broadwater and the, the RMS took a chip off their property and I worked for them and got them a little bit of compensation, so they're happy with that. Anyway, a couple of months later, they came and rang me up and said, you wouldn't believe it, someone wants the back land of our property. I said, the back land, who would want that? I said, you know, a carpet snake would die if he didn't take his cut lunch out there. It was just, you know, cooked sand and... You know, a bit of water and a flood, and it was the worst land in Australia. It was probably even worse than the Felsh land in Pimlico. <laughs> uh, but, uh, like she said, didn't you know it's pygmy perch habitat? And I said, is it? And she said, yep, the Queensland government re- uh, went round the back of the uh, Coolangatta Airport and they took pygmy perch land out. So, that one of the cons- conditions of consent or approval is that you have to buy replacement pygmy perch land. She said, looks as though we've got the only pygmy perch land 
within Kuwait. So I said, she said, can you do a deal for us? I said, can I do a deal for you? And so, uh, and I love doing deals. And uh, so eventually we did a deal, and I'm telling you, the Queensland government paid for that land. It was worth far more than the Felsher's land, I'm telling you. Well, there's a lot of land, cane land down there. There's heaps of it. How much pygmy perch land have you got to sell them? So, uh, but the, the, after we did a deal and the people got their money, it was great. And uh, the, the daughter rang me and said, you know, my parents have been Christians and they've given <coughs> all their life and been faithful and just somehow other things haven't financially worked out for them. She said, but in their latter days, this money will allow them to have some <coughs> luxuries and, and retire in comfort. So... I thought, yeah, God is good. Hmm. So we taught our kids about giving and a bit like you, we gave our kids two bob, 20 cents to call it these days, and uh, put it in the plate just to, just to train them up and to realise that there's a practical element to church. They've got a function and so on and, and uh, God's given to us and we should be giving to him. And um, one of the things though too, another thing that really come to me once, I heard a statement said, you can tell where a man's heart is by looking at his checkbook. You can tell where a man's heart is by looking at his checkbook. In other words, if you take away your absolute essential uh, items in your cost of living, where does the rest of the money go? For example, if you spend 50% of your money on model planes, I'll use that as an example, and 2% of you giving to God, then where is that heart? Where is your heart? Is it is it for God or is it for model planes? No one needs to feel guilty about where they spend their money, but it's an issue that maybe you need to think about and ask yourself, where am I putting that funds? And I know some people have given up coffees. Once, or, you know, I think I pay five bucks a, a day for my coffee or something like that, so it's... It's a fair bit of money, isn't it? 20 bucks. So I came to a place where uh, we made a a deliberate decision in budgeting. 10% of the gross income plus anything that comes in special offerings in the church we would talk about and we would give on top of that 10% and um, we would just give to people out of uh, what God would lay on our hearts and just at the time uh, we, we would give whatever God we thought God would want us to do. Um, sometimes it wasn't even the time we'd pray about, we'd just do it. I don't know why, just God would just go bing and that would be our... And plus we'd always give of our time, we'd always try to be uh, faithful in our church and I think for home groups we ran a home group for 13 or 14 years and our pastor once said that was the longest running past group uh, home group ever I think in our church so um, yeah this is an, another story I'm a storyteller remember the stories there they're, any story I tell I think it should be our story it's our good news and, and it's what God has done for us and, you know, Del's story is my story because we prayed for Del. I thought she was as good as dead, but she, she is. She's <laughs> but it's our story, isn't it? Isn't that a good story or not? She's not dead. God said, I don't want her up here yet. We've got enough trouble up here. We'll just keep her down here with you. So this is our story. and This should be your, your story, our story. Del's my story because I prayed for her. I prayed the wallpaper off. Good. God answered my prayer, didn't he? 
He answered my personal prayer, and she's here today. I'll get off the track. Now, the issue is now with... I had someone come, and uh, they said, uh, I'm about to go into bankruptcy, and, you know, all the issues that bounce off bankruptcy, uh, you know, how it affects you and all the rest of it. And <clears throat> I just went into June, I said... Uh, this person wants this money, what do you think? And I said, you know, it's probably never going to come back, ever. Uh, and she said, look, just with the money's there, just give it and see what happens. So we did it and I never thought much more about it. But next thing, that person reappeared and said um, he wants more money. And I thought, oh. And I thought God said to me, he needs to modify his behaviour. You cannot facilitate his ongoing bad habits and irresponsible attitude towards his children and his family. And although the, you know, although you have the capacity, this is an, um, this is something that he's going to have to grow thing through. He had an opportunity to modify his behaviour, and he did not do it. And, and so. At the same time, I felt guilty because I thought if he goes and suicides, then it's on me in a way. And then he's got kids, and it's not his kids' fault, and his wife, it's not, you know, so bottom line is it's sort of horrible, but I said no. And, uh, yeah, so that was that. But strangely enough, some years later, they came back and gave me that money, and they said, do you want interest? And I said, oh, money, I'm just... It's good that you're proceeding, getting going. There's another lady at our workplace and um, she worked for us. And she came in one morning and she said, I've just left my wife, my husband, my daughter, sorry, my daughter and I have just left the husband. He was bashing me up and I was not happy about him bashing me up. But when he started to take to my daughter, that's it, we're out of here. And so she said, I'm sorry, I can't give you any notice. I just want uh, the, the money that I'm owed and um, I, we're just going to disappear because we don't want him finding us and so on. Uh, so my wife came to me and said, what about we give her a good chunk more? And I said, yeah, that's fine. Um, so we gave her that money. She came into the office with tears in her eyes and this lady is sort of, pretty tough nut but uh, she had tears in her eyes and she was obviously thankful she wasn't a Christian but uh, it was just something I guess we could do and she said look you've got no idea this will help us go and put a deposit down for a flat and a unit and you know we know all the money that it takes to get even just a flat going so I enabled her to get cracking um, so yeah uh, of course there's another story our church, the, the youth were going to get organised and go to Russia and do some ministry work over there. And, and um, one of the things I said to to people, look, if you want to take in one of these kids, particularly uni kids, you can bring them in and maybe give them cheap rent and they can that way save for the overseas trip. So uh, a girl came to us and said, yep, I said, you can come and live with us, 
pay nothing at our house. Just put that money aside in the, in a bank account so that when the time comes to pay the money for the airfares and all the rest of the costs to go over there, make sure it's there. So she lived with us for, I don't know, three months or four months. And uh, anyway, next thing, of course, you know what I'm going to say, next thing it comes up and they said, right, oh, you kids, you've got to get all your money in. And she came to us and said, oh, look, I found somewhere else uh, to uh, live and um, I'm not going on that mission trip. So I was a bit silly, I suppose, in trusting that person. But that was between her and God. There's no, no real skin off our nose because she slept in a room where we all had a room and a bit more food maybe on the table, maybe some electricity, I don't know. So, but we weren't probably that wise. I'm just going to tell you a little bit about my son. So he does some, something a little bit differently. <clears throat> They've set up a charity. It's now registered by the, the government. And um, he's taken to, uh, and this is for um, women that have been suffering abuse. And um, so he's taken to lending some of these ladies a little bit money, of money. Now note I said lending, but it's conditional. So it's conditional. He said, right, I'll lend you this money, but I want to go through all your finances. I want to know all your income, all your expenses. I want to go through the whole sucker, and I want to go through it with you fairly regularly as to where you're heading with it. In other words, he's just training them. People school, don't get me getting on the education system. How come we've got kids out who've got no idea about budgeting? It's beyond me. But, uh, you know, so he, what he's doing is really enforcing them to budget. And... And he had this great success case with this lady who came and she picked it up. The money, she just became, a, she switched onto it, a bit like Paul Worth, <laughs> switched onto it. And uh, she ended up, got to save and she's buying her own house. Like, can you believe it? Unbelievable. So we're all different, we all do different stuff and uh, we're just putting our shoulder to the wheel. Our lives are walked by faith, and so it is with our health. We walk by faith. You've just been given, our son got the, the notice of cancer, and, and we're walking by faith. And they said, oh, it's getting worse. And you're thinking, hang on, we're, you know, like we're Christians. He, he's a Christian. What, how come this issue is? So our relationships, it's a walk by faith. It looking, it's looking dodgy, our relationship with a husband, a wife, kids. But we're walking by faith, trusting God, relying upon him. Our finances, we're trusting him, relying upon him. And so it is with every aspect of our life. Our finances are just one aspect of our life. And um, I'll tell you what, I can't tell you the number of times I've prayed these prayers over my life because one of the difficulties is with being a Christian is he's always asking to walk by faith. And you're thinking, just tell me what's ahead and I can walk by faith. But no, no. He said, so when I often go for a walk, I sometimes I'm, I walk by faith and not by sight, Lord. All things work together for good to those who are called by him and who are called according to his purposes. All things work together for good to those who are called by him. Praise God in all your circumstances. God, I'm praising you through this. I'm praising you through while my son's got cancer, while they're telling me it's getting worse, I'm still praising you through it. When when we lost the contract at work, I'm praising with you, Lord. Even though I had to go to the bank and get more money, and I'm thinking, why are you getting more money just to hand to the employees? You should be sacking all these people. You shouldn't be spending more money, you idiot. But you're walking by faith. 
Let your roots go down into him and draw up nourishment from him. I love that one. I just think about it. Let your roots go down into him. Things are getting tough and the roots are going down into him and I'm drawing up nourishment from him. And the devil is like a roaring lion seeking out whom he may devour. But you know what I could say about these people at work just wanting to tear up the contract. I could say, well, that's the devil. But maybe it's not. Maybe it's just God just saying, yeah, you know what. Suck it up, princess. Keep moving. So give of your time and your finances and make sure you continue to do good things. I say you can't outgive God. You are blessed to be a blessing. I am blessed to be a blessing. Don't give to get. Talk to God and your husband or wife. Be upfront. As I look back, mum, my mum was widowed when I was 13, so you know how much money was in the house then. <clears throat> and this is in the olden days. We were broke when we were married at 20. Then somehow or other shock happened. Got a child 13 months later at the age of 22. We were told that our marriage wouldn't work. We were too young. We were told that we missed the property market and too bad for us. I wondered if we'd ever buy our first house. In other words, the world told us that we were losers. But folks, I'm a child of the Most High God. I'm a kid of the kingdom. And that's my story. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that Owen and Dell just let God deal with it let God deal with it um, just just in closing just again uh, we've got one more week where we're going to be talking about finances generosity uh, and giving um, next week uh, I'm going to just wrap it all up tie it up and then I've got some other stuff that we're going to move on to but it's been great this morning hearing from um, Ruth and Owen um, probably again probably not what you're expecting like I said we're not it, it's not it's not about dollars what we need to get a hold of as, as, as believers, as Christians, is not money, money. What I do with my money is way bigger than just where I put it, what I do with it. It's really about the heart. God wants my heart. God, God, I mean, if God can, can just say, let there be, and nothing's there, and one of says, let there be, and everything is there, do you really think my $1 is going to change? You know, is it really that big of a deal? It's not about that. It's about here. It's about my heart, and that's what we've been talking about, and that's what I'm hearing uh, with Owen, and that's what I'm hearing with Ruth, is it's, it's a heart issue. I was saying to someone this morning, um, you know, if you ask me what my wife's name is, I'll tell anybody. I don't care. You ask me how many kids I've got, I'll tell anybody how many kids I've got. It doesn't bother me. You ask me what their names are, I'll tell you. You ask me where my wife works, I'll tell you. You ask me what I do for a living, I'm happy to tell you. You ask me how much money's in my bank account. Now, I'm not saying that we should be telling everybody how much money's in your bank account. I'm not saying that, but what I'm saying is straight away that tells me there's something in here that treats that different to everything else. Everything else. I mean, I, I will freely give you any bit of information you want about these people here, but I won't tell you how much money's in a bank account. There's something about finances and its connection to our heart. And that's what we're hoping out of these few weeks, is we want to see that, that spirit of generosity. I, I, John 3.16, what does it say? You tell me. For God so... Love the world. What did his love motivate him to do? To give. To give. 
to give. And we're made in the image of God. And giving and generosity should be a part of who we are. And when we give and when we're generous people, it provides, it's the soil that allows God to grow some beautiful things in our lives and through our lives. It's a, God blesses us as we bless others. We can't outgive God. We've all heard that saying before, but because our heart's involved, it's very much about attitude as well. And that's what we've been hearing over these last few weeks. So thank you for coming along this morning. Lord, I just pray. Each of us here today, God, I pray that, uh, Father, as we leave this place, keep everybody safe. Lord, I pray for the rest of the day. God, just bless the afternoon, bless our family time, bless our relaxation time, bless our friend time today. Lord God, I pray as we walk out of here that we would go out knowing that, Lord, we're walking with you. We didn't leave you behind. We haven't done our Christian thing. And now let's get on with the rest of the week. God, we we have done our Christian faith. We've done our Christian religious duty. And now we move on. Lord, I pray we would know as we go from here that we take you with us, Lord, and that we walk with you by our side. You want to speak to us. You want to touch us. You want to give us wisdom, insight. You want to help us in our problems, our situations. Father, because we live with you, Lord. We don't just do things for you, God. So, Father, bless us as we go. Lord, I pray... Uh, each of us in this room here, God, those of us that know you, that, uh, Father, have encountered you, God, have experienced your goodness in our life. God, those of us that have uh, looked into the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus, those of us that know that that moment in time, that moment in history is real, it's true, it actually happened and it changed everything. Father, those of us that share that belief, Lord, I pray in the next seven days, give every single one of us an opportunity to share that reality with somebody else that doesn't yet know about the truth of that amazing moment in human history that changed the world forever. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus. Everyone said? Amen. 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 Bless you guys. Uh, We'll see you in small groups or connect groups or we'll see you in the streets or see you in the shops. If not, I'll see you on Sunday.